Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. I'm going to create an environment that is so toxic. (laughs) And they really did. They really did create an environment that was so toxic. And yet, fruitful. I'm starting a rumor that Kate Bush is a gleek. You know, um, I don't know. I don't know if that's if, that, if that's true. But we love to say shitty things for attention here on Like a Virgin. That's true. And this episode will be no different because we are talking about Glee. Uh, we're just we were warming up right before we're doing our, our scales. Wait, wait. We need to actually do a kind of red leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow. What she sells seashells by the seashore. What did you do to die today? A minute or two. Oh wow, that thing distinctly hard to say, but hard still to do. This is a really ugly. Should we do a quick round Wait. of zip zap pop? <laughs> unique New York, unique, unique New York. You know you, know you, you love unique New York. <laughs> this um, is a really ugly okay, moment. This, for is, like yeah, this is really cursed, um, which is very appropriate because today we're talking about Glee, the uh, seminal Ryan Murphy TV show, and we have none other than the first openly gay porn star and writer, Ty Mitchell, here today to talk with us all about Glee, its impact on TV, culture, queer representation, because this is Like a Virgin, the show where we give yesterday's pop culture today's takes. I'm Rose Damu. And I'm Fran Dorado. This Pride Month, we were blessed by what I will say is one of the best gay albums of all time. And definitely an album of the year for me. Yes, um, Muna's self-titled second album, Muna. Um, I'm in love with it. I've been listening to it nonstop. Actually, on the flight to New York from L.A., I just had it playing on a loop while I was sleeping for the entire flight. So now I feel like it has settled into my very bones. And um, 
I'm going to say my favorite track right now currently is Runner's High. Mine too. My it's all-time It's so favorite. good. It's like really synthy. Um, I really like how their production has evolved, especially like I think the songwriting and like the the musicianship has always been there. But I think maybe because, you know, Moon assigned to Phoebe Bridgers' mm-hmm, mm-hmm. label, Satisfactory Records. And I think maybe like getting them like like helping them out with production was maybe part of that or just maybe they have access to like a better studio now i don't know I've but i just realized that saddest factory is a double entendre for satisfactory oh, i i didn't so, realize that oh my god I that's so good i believe i did not anyways that's very phoebe but i yeah it's very phoebe um again runner's high Runner's High for me, I mean, it feels very like Fru Fru or like Image and Heap a little bit. Which is the biggest compliment. Biggest compliment. We can give. And then, like, my other fave, Solid, with like those harmonized vocals that they are so known for, reminds me of very like, um, very like Wilson Phillips, like, um, 80s, 90s era, like girl rock, you know, girl in quotes rock. Um, right. It would definitely play at like a wedding scene in a queer movie. Yeah. They, them rock, if you will. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, I mean, I, I love, I'm so excited about it. I remember um, after shooting the Silk Chiffon music video with them, they had like a bonfire at Naomi and Joe's house. Um, and... I remember we were talking about the album and what they were excited about. This was eons ago. And I had been listening to Silk Chiffon all day. So I was like addicted to it because it's such an earworm. And I mean that as a term of endearment. And um, they were they were like, oh, we want to show you this other song just to see what you think. And they played What I Want. And I remember being like, oh, this is like such a bop. And they were like, well, Silk Chiffon is for the girls and What I Want is for the boys. We love the musical binary. We love binaries, yes. Um. That's very exciting. Speaking of something that's for the girls, it was just announced that Emma Roberts is joining the Spider-Man CU in Madam Web alongside Dakota Johnson and Sydney Sweeney. So Sony really said, gays, you will be watching this superhero movie, whether you like it or not. <laughs> right. And I mean, I'm here for Sydney Sweeney, obviously. Um, Emma Roberts has never been my girl. Like, I really can't tell the difference between her and all the other blonde cast members of American Horror Story. Right, who are, are all who are all nepotism babies. It's uh, like, are they really? Emma Roberts is Julia Roberts' niece. Okay. Billy Lord is Carrie Fisher's daughter. Um, Tessa Familia is Vera Familia's sister. <laughs> like, they are all just related to someone famous. And they but, all look exactly the same. But Sorry. I'm totally behind this casting. I love that, like, because I think Spider-Man is, like, a very just, like, boy-centric Mm-hmm. superhero universe um except you know we got spider gwen in into the spider verse right, but briefly. i really love the idea of like force feminizing spider-man yes yeah, state sanctioned and spider-man is, is like your favorite superhero right? absolutely without a doubt i is, mean is that just because he's a twink i mean i i, I it's probably because he shoots come out of his hands but i feel like Ugh, for me yeah disgusting. sorry for the visual but I, I i think you know i love an underdog story i i have no shame in loving spider-man even though it has been done to death well um something that did not make me shoot come out of my hands but did make me feel really ashamed of myself love that was, transition um two two weeks ago i did something really dark which was i watched the entire final season of 
love Victor in 24 hours the day it was released. <laughs> Wait, I didn't know that you watched it all within the whole 24 thing. hours. The, well, in 24 hours. That's really well, it's, bad, it's Rose. Eight half an hour episodes. It's very easy. Yeah. I, I did it in two sittings. I did once watch a season of Love Victor. <laughs> In one sitting as well. <laughs> oh, a, really? A story that I told at our live show this this past this yesterday. It was okay. I'll give I'll give the the, yeah, do you vir- want to tell the, the virgins a TLDR. The abbreviate. I'm going to inter- I'm going to okay. ad- 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 create additions, but I would love to hear you tell. Okay, the story. Fran took too much modium and was no no literally... no 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 no. Give me storytelling value. No, I'm gonna break it down. Fran Phoebe, was on, Fran Phoebe was make on... her do it. Phoebe, make her do it. Fran was okay. Here no, we go. I'm, I'm serious. Doing, I'm gonna do it. Okay, it's so fun. Fran was on Fire Island, wanted to bottom. And so took an ammonium, but accidentally took two, um, and so had a hard brick of shit in their <laughs> in their colon. My um, lower esophagus. And there were no doctors on Fire Island. Famously, has no doctors, <laughs> so had to spend eight hours sitting in front of a TV watching Love Victor. Reclined, well, not, uh, unable to recline because reclining or laying down in any capacity hurt. Because, however, the you know amorphous rock like turd was adjusted into like my upper or lower intestine had like it, it, it felt like the way it was lodged like hurt if I w- would move and also couldn't eat couldn't could eat. only sit and watch Love Victor I for had eight to, hours I had to FaceTime a doctor and the doctor was like do not under any circumstances eat anything. so that could only Gatorade <laughs> all that to say um, the, third, the third season strength. of Love Victor was um good well, maybe I if I have a medical emergency that keeps me in bed against um, my will for eight hours, then I will I will watch it. Um, the the stupidest part of it though is that in the final episode, Victor gets an award from his school for being gay, uh-huh. which I don't think is a good thing. Although no. the show kind of frames it as like. Uh, this is kind of bad, but like ultimately kind of good, and like I don't know. I won a scholarship for being gay in high school, basically. I didn't even apply for it, and I got it. But they were just kind of like, "How much money was it?" I actually, I don't also remember. don't think he got. I don't think he got money. He just got an award. Oh well, that's fucking stupid. Yeah. I uh, something that I remember about the Love Victor franchise is they try to um, paint them as like a working class family, and it, that that just was not. I mean, if you any context clues like in the show, you would know that they are probably pretty middle class. Um, another thing I watched, unfortunately, was Elvis. Oh, you didn't like it. It was so bad. Really? It first of all, it's two hours and forty minutes long. Well, I mean, it is Baz. It's Baz, and it's just so disinterested in being about Elvis's life, and is much more interested in just being a, a Baz Luhrmann movie. Yeah, I'm such a Baz stan, so that doesn't sound that bad to me. No, but, but I, like it's style over substance, but the style isn't good. I love things that are style over substance. No, but the but style the st- has to be good. The style's not was not good. You no. didn't like the the um the Casey Musgraves cover? No, because what the point when that happens, like I want to hear the actual song mm. in this Elvis biopic, not a cover of it. And that was another problem I had with it. So the movie ends when Elvis dies, and then there's like a clip montage of the real Elvis, which I hate when that's done in biopics because it just makes me think so I should have just watched a documentary. And I also think it undercuts the yeah. performance of the actor who's been playing this character for the last almost three hours. In the movie, did he die on the toilet? No. What? 
I didn't even know that that happened. All they say is that he had a heart attack. Literally, for me, like, I think it's one of the most well-known facts of Elvis that he died from bowel movement. I had no idea. Well, he did. Um, a- After probably eating one of those disgusting peanut butter and bacon sandwiches that he Wait, would eat. peanut butter and bacon? That sounds incredible. I mean, they he would famously, like, send a private jet to go pick up this, like, special sandwich that was made at some sandwich shop that had... It was a full French baguette that was scooped out and and filled with a pound of peanut butter, a pound of bacon, bananas, and I think honey or something like that, and mm, fried. I want one of those. Yeah, that. I mean, it is actually really I good. Want I've two had of it those. before, and I, I I thought it was really good. We should make them on Fire Island this week. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And then maybe you'll be full of shit again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I would never take two Imodium. As the box instructed... Ever again. Okay, uh, Baz Luhrmann maybe had the second highest anticipated film of this weekend after Buzz Lightyear, the Lightyear movie, which you saw? I did see. um, I've been seeing a lot of movies just because I have a lot more time on my hands And now that you have the AMC Stubbs Rewards membership, (laughs) yes, Um, (laughs) you are cashing in, Mama. So I saw Lightyear. It was fine. It was not great. It was not bad. It was just a totally fine animated movie. Um... I don't have a lot of nostalgia tied to Toy Story. No, I mean um, a lot of people say like, "Oh, it's one of the greatest animated films ever created." But no, and it's I guess like the the um, framing of it is kind of interesting because they like the way they frame it is that this is the movie that Andy saw that the toy oh, is from. Oh, interesting. So like at the beginning of the movie, it says uh, like in 1995, Andy saw. Like, his favorite movie, this is that movie. I love that they are trying to convince us that in 1995, there was a movie that had, one, a black person in it, and two, a gay kiss. A gay, a gay lesbian, a, a, a black a, lesbian. A black gay character. I don't, listen, I know that there was this whole controversy about the gay kiss. I don't even remember if they kissed <laughs> in the movie. <laughs> that fucking sucks, but also is not surprising at all. But I do remember, like, what I thought was nice about it was that so the whole story is that Buzz is like going on these missions and they only take a couple minutes for him. But on the planet that he's coming from, it takes like four years. Yeah. So when he comes back for the first time, his like partner is like, oh, I got married while you were gone. And he says, oh, who is, she? what's her name? Like, and there's no kind of like, mo- like weird moment. He, it's just like very casual, which I really appreciated. Like, mm. I think that is good representation, yeah, like especially yeah. in a kids' movie. And they show her with her wife and like her her son and like eventual grandchild. Um, but which this is I like the nice. first gay kiss in a Disney. I'm just so tired of Disney a... being like, "This is our first gay like <laughs> I, this is our first rim job scene I, in a I, Pixar movie." And every single time, it's like a gay times like headline Instagram post. And I saw one the other day that was like Disney to premiere. The first openly gay teen romance. And I was like, well, first of all, that would suggest that they were closeted and or stealth (laughs) teen romances in previous Disney films. None of this matters. (laughs) None of these words are in the Bible. Like, I'm so done with the first. Like, you know what? This is the first fucking on-air felching on a podcast you're about to hear. So buckle up, virgins. (laughs) There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. 
The Seven from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The Seven every weekday. So follow The Seven right now. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. It took 11 years to get to the sale. The NYX anniversary sale is on now at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of NYX's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super-comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. Don't miss this chance to stock up on your NYX favorites or try something new. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com for the NYX anniversary sale. Hurry, the sale ends on Monday, May 13th. Go to NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. For the virgins listening, yesterday we are talking about Glee, the Fox, Ryan Murphy TV show that had an ironclad grip on pop culture in the, like, early... The Obama era. Mid, Let's just the Obama. Oh my God! If if you exactly if you want if you want an encapsulation of what the Obama era was like in media, it was Glee. I feel that way. I feel that Glee is the quintess. Glee and True Blood are the quintessential <gasps> cultural products of the Obama oh my God. era. We should have done this episode on True Blood. I mean, we can talk about True Blood too. But I, we will. they're kind of two I, sides I, of the same coin, in my they, opinion. They, yeah. they are absolutely in conversation with each other. Well, because they're both like really. Really off the rails, kind of like you know, psychotic. Uh, yeah, psychotically told, um, you know, drama uh, soaps that appealed to you know. Yes. Yeah. Also, for anyone who doesn't know, Ty, can you give like a TLDR, very brief summary of what Glee is about? Glee is a musical comedy 
on that aired on Fox about a high school glee club made up of losers and rejects and then very quickly also popular people yes competing for various titles that got higher in stakes as the show went on and who were con- continually um, attempted to sabot- at sabotage by a Plankton-esque supervillain played by Jane Lynch, who was the <laughs> Plankton-esque, yes. The, Sue Sylvester, say her name. Um, yeah, and the inciting incident of it is that the, the cool kid at school gets blackmailed by his teacher into joining the Glee Club, thus creating this sort of tension between the rejects and the cool kid. And Leah Michelle is a reject? Yes. And the guy is the cool kid. Yes. Um and more cool people join the glee club because the cheerleading coach Sue Sylvester sends them in as like um spies, mm-hmm. but right. then you know they actually like it. It ran for 5 seasons? 6? Do we know? Seven, I believe. <laughs> I only watched two. I want to be clear about that going into the beginning. I have only watched two seasons of Glee. I have watched clips of other seasons of it, but that was all I could do. I, I'm i going to um, uh, muscle through a blanket statement that y'all can you know help me maybe fix if it's inaccurate. But I feel like Glee came onto the scene at like another wave of like gay representation post Will and Grace mm-hmm. that was trying to, that that I think created a new era of like gays on TV that were not Jack, you know? There was a lot of Jack I think still in the show. Well, yeah, cuz Chris but, Colfer's character like is <clears throat> just a different version of that kind right. of gay character. But the thing about Ryan Murphy's comedic stylings is that he really was maybe not Ryan Murphy specifically, but the the Glee's comedic stylings were like very like crass they weren't afraid to make like really inappropriate jokes i think that a well, lot it was of was incredibly problematic well they yeah. became and, like, afraid the to do that that's the thing is the show developed a social conscience over the course of its run and that's why that's part of why i feel like it's really quintessentially like an obama obama era cultural product is that mm. the show kind of became reactive to itself and to feedback to it and became a show that was very self-aware about a certain kind of responsibility toward representation. Yes, yes, because yeah, I do think when it started, I remember the first episode previewed a couple months before the actual season premiered. I think it was maybe like at, before the finale of a season of American Idol or something. Yeah, um, it and, was American Idol era. Yeah, and I remember watching it with my roommate, and we thought it was the coolest, most transgressive thing ever. And I do think the early episodes of that show are pretty radical for what was on TV at the time and, like, the kind of jokes they were making, mm-hmm. um, the audience that they were catering to, the identities that they were centering. But you're right in that it became too self-aware um, and too scared of saying the wrong thing. I can only speak for, like, the first season. I feel like the gay characters in the show were, like, pretty neutered, like, because it was, like, still for, like, a really young audience. Neutered and tortured. Like, the the whole season two is about Kurt being bullied. Yeah, it's a lot of, like, bullying stuff. However, I remember, I think... It's very, it gets better. In my mind, I remember hating the show when it, like, when I watched the, after finishing the first season, but I do remember feeling like I hadn't really watched something that had multiple gay characters and also, like, characters that 
or rather storylines that were invested in the romance were like in something like Will and Grace, like or, or other sitcom sitcommy kind of vibes. It's like they will never talk about sex, and there was like no kissing really on Will and Grace or whatever. Obviously, that was like the dawn of like a lot of gay people on TV. But Kurt's um, storyline was really. I mean, I think if you follow Kurt's storyline over the course of the show, you do see that kind of like self awareness in the sense that like Kurt starts out as like bullied, and then the bullying gets worse, and then his relationship with his father gets strained, and then he meets Blaine from the Warblers, and we get to watch a gay character get everything that he wants, basically. Like, he restores his relationship with his dad. He has a boyfriend who is beautiful. He, like, goes off to the Warblers, uh, Dalton Academy, and, like, gets to to have, like, a community of, like, young gay kids, or or at least gay-tolerant people. He moves off to New York with Leah Michelle, like... Becomes friends with Sarah Jessica Parker? Question mark? Wait, does Sarah Jessica Parker play herself? She in comes the in show? and sings Let's Have a Kiki, mashed up with the Turkey Lurkey song for But, is, but is it as Bushwick herself apartment. or is she playing a character? She always plays herself, really. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. Is yeah kind of, that's true. She kind never of doesn't matter. There were some great guest stars. Like, I know Kate Hudson was on it for oh, a oh, minute. Oh, laundry Paltrow. List. I mean, Mimi Leakes. First season, you had Adina and Kristen. Adina Menzel playing Leah Michelle's mother was one of the best casting choices, I think, ever. Demi Lovato, Lindsay Lohan, Perez Hilton. Britney Spears was on this? She was on the Britney episode, like, very briefly. Just They let her make a quick cameo. (laughs) Yeah. And by they, I mean the the conservators. Yes, that was at the height of the conservatorship. Um, We were going to watch an episode of Glee the other night. It's famously not on any streaming platform anymore. Oh, it was on Netflix for a while. Yeah, Yeah, it it was removed, and and now it's not anywhere streamable. But I really wanted to watch the Madonna episode, which I do think is the best episode of Glee of the two seasons that I've watched. What happens in that episode? It's just they do a bunch of Madonna numbers, and it's amazing. Nothing further. Was Madonna? Is that in when it? they did? No. That was the like a virgin. Was that when they did like a virgin? When everyone like a prayer. lost their virginity? They they, uh, oh. they yes they all they do like a virgin. Yeah, it would have been so perfect for this podcast. I know, right? <laughs> if Wait, we had watched it, tie tie tie. We didn't. What was like your first impression of the show? Like when did, did you watch it as it came out? Do you remember well, how like, you felt about like it? We were saying so. I I was in high school. I was. A d- I was a debate kid, obviously. <laughs> oh my course, god, I of love course you were. that. That's such a good fact about you, and it's so aggressive. We didn't you. have a particularly strong theater program at my high school. There was just like it, it wasn't funded at all. There was a high turnover on the people who were teaching it, and there was just not very much interest. So we didn't really have much of a theater program. We did like one musical in the whole four years that I was there. And I kept wanting to apply to the theater magnet school and, like, would kind of get started an application every year and then, like, not go through with it because I just wanted to stay at my same high school with all my friends. But I did become really Mm. close friends with a bunch of people who were at the theater program. And so I was kind of, like, living... The glee life? Vicariously, like, through (laughs) these, like gleeked up theater friends and also through like drawing parallels between my whole like debate team experience and Glee but I was like in I was in high school as Glee was happening I would come to my like English class and sit next to my English teacher and gag about Glee every week um, so you were a Glee I was I was fully a Glee I was fully in it I loved it I was obsessed with it and then when I went to college it was around the same time that it, like season four or season three probably happened and it did start to get like the humor started to get not as good and the like social message became stronger and stronger. Can we have a brief aside to talk about 
the relationships between gay people and their English teachers. Because I came out, my English teacher was maybe the fourth or fifth person I ever came out to. Like, period. I had a, a like, let's have a kiki kind of relationship. What was your English teacher like? Miss Duvall was my AP Lit teacher. And AP. she was a loose cannon. And she was a total blast. And she, like, seated me next to her. Not because she had to watch me, but because we would gab, like, most of the class. Because I was, like, I was like bored most of the time. Because I would just, like, finish my work. She once famously said that I could shit out an A uh, or, like, a 9 AP essay, you know. <laughs> I'm sure you could. I'm sure you could. It was could. probably oh, like so not kind great of... pedagogy to like very very clearly like uh like call out like a better student than everyone else. I had a I had an English teacher. This was an English teacher that I was had a, like a really good relationship with, but my my last AP lit teacher teacher his last year of teaching English at our school, he just like was over it. And his whole thing through that energy. It was so amazing. His name was Mr. Brown. His whole thing was that he, like, was an atheist. And if you went into his class, and this is, we were in the Midwest where, like, atheism is, like, kind of a little, like, not everyone believes in God, but, like, it's taboo to be an atheist. Like, that's kind of culturally where I was. Um, And if you had to take a class from Mr. Brown, you were told ahead of time that he was an atheist and, like, be prepared for that or whatever. And in his last year, he was fully arguing with Christian high schoolers about the existence of God. I was just like, and only now am I like, that is kind of crazy. Like, that is a crazy thing to do as a full-grown man teacher. He would be like, I don't remember any of my English teacher's names, but, like, I think it's interesting that you talk about, you know, how you were a debate kid and that gave you sort of, like, an understanding of what was being enacted on the screen. I was a theater kid, so obviously, like, Glee was deeply triggering and traumatizing for me um, because some it was playing out so much of, like, what was going on socioculturally in my life in high school. Um... I never did choir or anything, though. So it was, like, a little different. But, like, they did put on shows sometimes. And, like, they did so many show tunes. And some of them were amazing. Like, the Glee cast version of some songs are great. Um, Don't Rain on My Parade. Like, that is one of Leah Michelle's shining moments in life. Or her performance of My Man incredible her performance of my man from is funny girl really really good my man cover so good what what is transcendent about it i i don't even i, mean, I don't think just, i've even seen the clip she's just so good she is just really good are we all still today able to say like leah michelle is so good it's a rude she to is incredibly ratio. talented yeah she is so fierce enough just barely fierce enough to get away with how rude she is barely yeah but it's is it like the fact that she's difficult to work with that she doesn't have work anymore well, she did um, – her post-Glee work was still in the Ryan Murphy verse. She did Scream Queens. And she was oh. great on Scream Queens. Oh, I didn't know she did Scream Queens. Yeah. That's another thing is that Ryan Murphy's reputation when Glee came out was that he was edgy because his prior work was mm-hmm. Nip yes. Tuck. And popular. And he wasn't yet known as, like, that faggot <laughs> Ryan Murphy. If you actually, like – if you're looking at the chronology of Ryan Murphy and you want to see the thing that most clearly led to Glee, it is popular. Yeah. Which it- is – a show, a show that was on the WB for two seasons um, and is about a popular girl and an unpopular girl whose parents get married so they become stepsisters. And it is so good. Um, what's, what's her name? Blonde one. 
Yeah. The one, she's in a lot of other Ryan Murphy products. Yeah, she she plays this character, Mary Cherry, which is really funny because of the other Mary Cherry. <laughs> um, and she's so good. Um, Does she but, also lactate but, on like, stage? And I've always wondered, like, what is Ryan Murphy's, like, you, I guess you see these adult creators who are so clearly working out their own trauma in their work and it's like when is ryan murphy going to get over whatever happened to him in high school well he was from indiana that must be said (laughs) that is a lot of trauma built in that's a gay filmmaker thing todd stevens did it too but he just keeps coming back to alan ball did that with six feet under worked out a lot of his like gay stuff i think that's just like and he did it with like gay artists have been and i don't know i don't think that's a terrible thing that's the thing too is that we look back at glee as like cringy thing that kids watched when like at least those first two seasons it was such a parody it was such a parody of high school Mm -hmm, shows like it was it was making fun of itself and of the entire like genre of like high school dramas it it was like very much laughing at itself and at at the genre it's fitting into until it like for some reason wasn't or wasn't doing it as successfully. And though a lot of the jokes are dated now, I just, I remember watching the show as it aired and feeling like, whoa, like that's a really in the know joke. Like that is a joke that I like very clearly understand because it's something that I went through or like makes fun of something that I went through. A lot of the writing was very smart, but a lot of it was also very, very dumb. Bad. Okay, if you had to be in... If like you, when Santana calls Rachel <laughs> <laughs> If you had to be in one of the groups, New Directions, Vocal Adrenaline... The cheer squad. Which one would you want to? Are be these in? all the clicks? These are all the different Glee clubs. I would be in the, the warblers. warblers. I would okay. be. A war- what are the warblers? They're the one at the, the prep school that, prep. that Kurt was in. The Ravenclaws. The Ravenclaws. Is yeah. he still dating Darren Chris when he goes to the warblers, or are they over? By that's then? when they meet. Oh, that's when they meet. Oh, it's so. And and Blaine is singing "Teenage Dream" with that was the rest a moment too. And like Kurt just happens to stumble upon the Warblers singing "Teenage Dream," and Blaine is like swinging, like winking and smiling, like at Kurt. It's like I mean, so good. And then when they break up three uh, years later or two years later, Blaine like does this like kind of drunk, like really pathetic, like reprise of "Teenage Dream" at this piano oh. bar in New York, and it's oh, devastating. Really good. It is like. Uh, See, I'm, I'm clicking out. I'm clicking out, guys. Clicking. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. 
You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. It took 11 years to get to the sale. The Nix anniversary sale is on now at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of Nix's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super-comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. Don't miss this chance to stock up on your NYX favorites or try something new. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com for the NYX anniversary sale. Hurry, the sale ends on Monday, May 13th. Go to NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. When you think about devices to explain, like, the constant uh, performances of musical numbers in a TV show, like, a Glee Club club is a good conceit. Like, it does make sense that they would be singing a lot. But Mm -hmm. the thing is, like, they were doing these full musical numbers. Or, like, I think a thing that always annoyed me was that they would be rehearsing and then, like, Rachel would just look over at the band that was always playing with them. And the band would always already, like, have an arrangement of the song (laughs) ready to go and everyone, like, had Well, that's what it means to be a good accompanist, okay? That's that's what it is. (laughs) You have to always be ready. Did they have a songbook they were working off of? I'm sure. And where was the budget for all the costumes that they did have? Or the song licensing. You still had to pay for licensing if you performed these on like the stage, but Glee, but Glee was like, and and in terms of licensing, like they must have spent so much money licensing those songs for the show. But like, also the Glee music was an economy unto itself because those yeah, albums sold. They did tours. Did you ever go see a tour, Ty Mitchell? I never went to a no. Glee tour. No, I don't do concerts. I'm five no. three. Oh, there we go. I I feel like there's a lot. short king. I feel like the <laughs> the thing to me. I think the reason I didn't like the show, like, around the time it was out, was in large part the music, actually. Like, I think the music was a barrier to entry for me because— But that was the whole point of the show. I know, but I had moved on from that because I was, like, a theater kid, and by the time the show was really coming out, I feel like I was— I don't know, hating hating theater and hating musicals. Yeah, Were you, Weren't you closeted? Uh, no, I wasn't closeted—or maybe, actually— I don't remember. I need to actually. I should. You look need at to that. learn to love yourself. I need to learn what my actual life timeline is. Is what I should remember. I feel like by the time Glee was out, I was really invested in 
thing in like cultural things that I knew that I could get better than my peers because I was mm. gay. And so like a big reason that I was so into Lady Gaga when I was in high school is because I could be like I I felt that I could get the references and understand this that I had some kind of like affinity toward this thing like I get this in a way that the other people around me didn't and that actually made me feel really good about myself and made me feel like I was really good at something or had some kind of like um, exceptionalism to Mm. like my personality and I think Glee was really similar even though it was a hit show I felt like you know I could kiki with my English teacher about it in a way that like I was more grown and more like sophisticated Mm. but at the time (laughs) you had had the inside scoop because I was like into Glee wasn't there also um, it's weird the Glee project wasn't that where people like auditioned to be on Glee and it was a reality show I have a friend that was on it that's how Olivia Rodrigo got no, famous, no, no. isn't it? No, she's no, a that's high school a musical, thing. the musical, the series. Um, but the Glee project was a reality show where kids were competing to be on Glee. And um, that's where Alex Newell is from. Like, yeah. Tony nominee yeah. Alex Newell. The Glee project invented Alex Newell. Because Alex ev- eventually went on the show, too, right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I wasn't watching at that point, but yeah. I think they were one of the ones who made it onto Glee. Um, and Glee, I mean, as far as I know from what I've seen online, because I think every couple weeks there's a thing on Twitter where someone clips out a scene from Glee and is like, can you believe this happened? Um, and a lot of times it's like, it is really crazy. Like, the one I saw recently was Sue Sylvester doing Super Bass, which, oh. like, is crazy in and of itself, but my favorite version of that is the video where someone has edited Volk from Suspiria onto it. But I do think the show got a lot gayer as the years went on in terms of, like, I I think one of the reasons that teenagers really liked it is because it was one of the few shows on TV that had queer relationships on it. Like, Santana and Britney have Mm -hmm. had a huge standum and still do to this day. And, you know, Kurt and Blaine, like, they were in the fan fiction world. They were huge. I never read any Glee fan fiction, but they were, like, a monolith. And it was highly, it was satisfying, you know? And I I don't really feel that, I guess, I don't know. In this weird way, I'm, like, this Ryan Murphy apologist because, like, the, this, like, Ryan Murphy self-describes his style as Baroque. Mm-hmm. And I think that, like, as as queer people, we do we've gotten fatigued with the Ryan the Murphy style and really tired of it. But I think that there is something there about feeling squeamish about really, really highly visible gay style in in a mainstream place where everyone can see it, and that there's something embarrassing about that. For us as queer people, and I don't know, think it's as simple as like internalized mm-hmm. homophobia, but that it's it's for it's for the same reason that we kind of have a hard time standing gay recording mm. artists is like we have a hard time standing a a showrunner who is so uh, unapologetically and and um, clearly gay in all the ways that he works. Yeah, that we're like embarrassed. The show by like it. really was like a pinnacle of like diversity at least at the time i think that we have things that are like you know a lot more intersectional now but like 
all of his projects, I mean, I, if I were to give Ryan Murphy credit on anything, he did set, like, new standards on casting. Like, he was always casting, like, disabled actors. Yeah. He was always casting queer people. Yeah. But he was people. also always casting straight people to play queer people. Yes. I mean, but that, you know, I mean, that was just, like, also, like, a casting standard, unfortunately, like, in the early aughts still. I mean, and Darren Chris even... I, I feel like that was the beginning of Darren Chris like playing gay in projects, and, and, then, and then when he said he <laughs> vowed to never play a gay character again after doing it like fifty seven after, win, after winning an Emmy for it, that's when <laughs> yeah. he said enough is enough. But to your point, Ty, I feel like um that whole like yeah, I agree. It's not as simple as hating yourself. It's kind of like there is a kind of like um fear that happens when representation, quote unquote, of sorts like hits a mass popularity because all of a sudden you're like, mm-hmm. Oh, I hope everyone doesn't think that like, this is me or that this, like immediately you kind of fear being flattened because that's what yeah, you don't want done, people to be like, Oh, you're queer. Like, yes, yes. yes you watch and you. I'm sure you watch Glee. I'm, honestly, Are you like Kurt Hummel? Honey? I hate to invoke this, but I'm thinking a lot about the fire Island TV show that debuted on Logo, like, a few years ago. Do you remember, like, I the do, kind yeah. of media, like, craze mm-hmm. around that? Like, the, t- the the overwhelming sentiment and, like, the think pieces and the things that people were saying on social media was, like, this is, like, a symbol of gay America's moral decline or whatever. Like, it, they, it, it would well, felt like, shut they up. Spilled. Shut up. <laughs> like, they, they really treated it like it was Nazi propaganda. I was like, I was like, girls, Isn't like, it, though? I'm up, sure bro. one of them was shut a Nazi. <laughs> I, I'm not here to, like, defend the Fire Island TV show, but we, the reasons people no. were, the reasons people were mad about the Fire Island TV show was, like, whorephobia. It was, like, people feeling like this was a flattening of, like, a gay man could be, you know, I feel like it was a lot of Well, things. it's like, it's this feeling of, they're gonna make us look bad. Yeah. I don't to know. Straight, what do you, to what straight do you think about that, Ty? Did you see the, t- the Fire Island TV show promo I want to get? Well, no, I think you're, I think you're getting at this weird, um, like, riddle with representation that we've, like, had to kind of deal with, especially over the past, like, ten years, as so much of our community has, like, shifted its attention from political goals toward, um, like, I guess, yeah. aesthetic, <laughs> um, like, concerns. Um, that, like, how, what does, what does representation that makes us happy, <laughs> like, all happy actually look like? Is that possible? And, like, is it, is it even that, I think, crucial in an era when you can pull up TikTok and see gay, as many gay people as you want, doing as many different things and looking as many the different ways as you want. The most specific kind of queer people as well. Like, just every single, like, person has a lane on TikTok. Well, I don't mean to say that representation doesn't matter, doesn't. obviously. I think it's, I it think that, doesn't. like... But I think we still, as a culture, really put a lot of stake in the in mainstream representation. And, like, it's, it's mm-hmm. about... What who is visible to the most people, and also what kind of resources are they getting for that visibility? So, like, I do mm. think that people see more value in like the Billy Eichner rom com than like two boys kissing on TikTok. Well, I even think, if it gets a million views, I think a lot of people are usually kind of just mad at the wrong things as well. Like, I think that with something like Fire Island, it's like. People, for the TV show, I mean, it's, like, people are mad that, like, what they're really mad about is, like, we have a very limited amount of, like, resources for mainstream media still. And, like, Logo is, like, 
the place that makes gay stuff still. And so to put all your to for Kelly Ripa, who produced the show, to be like, yes, this is the show that needs attention right now. I think we we get anxious around the amount of space it takes up or the resources that it gets sometimes. And also, I think like with that show specifically, like. Fire Island is, like, a a sacred queer space in a lot of ways, and Mm -hmm. I think it did feel, like, sort of commoditizing, like, the the worst part of something that is very special to a lot of people for, you know, like, mainstream entertainment. Um, And I know my gripes with Glee were definitely internalized homophobia. Like, I'm, I used to, I used to write, like, a column for, like, my local newspaper or whatever, and I remember writing about how much I hate Glee, and I'm sure... That, like, if I were to revisit that column, it was probably riddled with internalized homophobia. But I think the crux of what I was mad about was a lack of, like, multiplicity of perspective in, like, queer media at the time, even though we weren't really calling things queer yet. Um, But I don't know. I I feel like... That you're you talking about like what do, what even makes like positive representation, which is like an artifice, like that's like not a real thing, it is usually like measured by this authenticity factor. Like people always say that something has to be authentic or whatever, but like authentic to who? You know what I mean? And I think that that's where people get caught up is like when they look at something like Glee, it's like, well, that doesn't represent me, and it's like, well, it was never meant to really represent you. It was like meant to represent. Right. It was a sad it's it's really yeah. satirical. Like it's really making fun of itself. I don't know. Sometimes I do feel like the logical endpoint of like our representation discourse is like, um I don't feel represented until I yeah. am cast yeah. in the show. Actually. <laughs> Uh, we need more of representation me. for me being yeah. in shows. You know shows what you need? Me to show run We something. need more trans people in the writer's room. And by that, I mean me. I want to be in the writer's room on TV shows. I am very bookable. I need more people to read my pilot. I have a sample. I have a sample stack that everyone should be reading, and yeah. that is when representation will be fixed. We Let me need tell more you. queer stories. Please buy my book that I'm writing. <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes I, I am really surprised at what people do get excited mm. about representationally, like that show Heartstoppers, mm. which, like, I feel like if that had come out 10 years ago, we would all be pa- passing around a tweet or a Facebook post about, like, here's another white gay yeah. romance But I again. think the funny you know, thing with Heartstoppers ever uh, the meme of this was my heart stopper and all of the things that like ju- like satirical or otherwise people like found representative of them when they like needed it during a very formative time I honestly think all the time about that um, tweet from – I hate summarizing tweets in the podcast. So I'm doing something that is a pet peeve of mine. But there was a tweet that was like, like reading kids are so lucky to have Lil Nas these days. Back then, all I had was this, and it's Kurt doing single ladies <laughs> on Glee, <laughs> which is so tea. And it, but I think that tweet actually really perfectly encapsulates a lot of the things we're talking about, which is that like the problem was that the possibility of a Lil Nas X – Really, like, I mean, I don't know if media was, like, ready for that in the early aughts or whatever. I mean, maybe that's stupid to say. But, like, um, now to where we've grown up to and to all the different kinds of things that we've seen along the way. And also even in the way that Glee became increasingly more, I don't want to say intersectional because I feel like that is, like, over-intellectualizing it. But, like, it just brought in even more kinds of queer and trans and black and brown people that you would not have imagined on mainstream TV. And that was huge for a show that was pretty much the biggest show on TV for a long time. But, you know, it bugs me that when we talk about representation, especially queer representation, we always do this thing where we kind of project our own childhoods 
onto people who are young mm. now. Like we're always talking about how we need this kind of representation for that 12-year-old kid in Ohio who doesn't have anyone. And I'm like, I actually don't know what that person's life is like. I don't know what a pre what a preteen's like a queer preteen's like access to different kinds of representation, especially on social media platforms, is like and what they actually need. And it kind of bugs me that we have we, we project knowing what young people need. I totally yeah, agree with but, that. But from but the TV. thing is, and we have talked about this on the podcast before, like they do want it on TV and they do get they do get really mad. Like as someone who has run yeah, a social media account that <laughs> as is as someone who also yes, has like we know what the people who we know what people who watch shows with queer characters how much they make their whole personalities about those shows and those characters and when those characters are like killed off or the shows yeah. are canceled they treat that like the end of the world because i think a lot of young kids especially um the internet has given them access to queerness in a way that we didn't have when we were growing up. And so rather than seeking it out in real life, they're centering their whole understanding of queerness around the media they consume so that when it fails them, it is even more devastating than it was for us because we just assumed that we would never be represented in media. So we didn't like put too much weight in it. There's definitely a population of like what you're describing, which is like tender queers and people that subscribe to the them.us like newsletter. But I feel like what Ty is saying and what I kind of agree with is that a 12 year old in Ohio, you know, now has access to TikTok or whatever. They have, they have access to so many different kinds of selves that I think you would become disillusioned to pretty quickly. So like the stage we're at now, like I feel very, um, salty about queer representation most of the time. I'm pretty, like, you know, disillusioned, disheartened, but it's taken a lot of representation up into this point to get me to feel the kind of cynicism I feel now. But when you start when you're, like, 10, like, or 12 or whatever, I feel like they're probably cynical before they even leave high school. And I feel like a lot of people, I, I, a lot of queer people who are in high school right now, I think, um, I think a lot of them are tender queers, but I also think there's a lot of people that, you know, don't will never don't feel anymore like being queer is any kind of novelty and maybe don't even care about like labels in general. I, mean, I think it's astute. I mean, I will I will push back against the idea that every 12-year-old and where you know wherever not every yeah, no. but the thing is is that if the kids who are like not allowed to have smartphones or something are also because they're have homophobic parents are also probably not allowed to watch hard hard stoppers on Netflix. So, you know, so that's like a there is something that actually must be done for those kids that representation actually isn't sufficient for. Um, but, you know, I, I hear what you're saying, that, like, we do actually know something about about queer kids and what they need. What sucks about that is that kids have horrible taste. Yes. <laughs> Did so you, we bounce back and forth taste. between shows that are, like, bad, but kids love them, and show and, like, media that is, like, sophisticated and, like, interesting... And rare, I guess, but like kids don't have access to them. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. 
That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. It took 11 years to get to the sale. The NYX anniversary sale is on now at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of NYX's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. Don't miss this chance to stock up on your NYX favorites or try something new. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com for the NYX anniversary sale. Hurry, the sale ends on Monday, May 13th. Go to NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. The big screen. I want to be remembered for just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson, rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent, only in theaters May 17th. I would love to talk about the Ryan Murphy of it all. I lo- I like the politician actually. I did too. The politician. I enjoyed it, especially season two. With Judith Light and Bette Midler. I mean, and I feel like I go into it knowing that this is a highly stylized showrunner who had, who, and that I'm going into it expecting that things are going to be bizarre and baroque and over the top and, and ridiculous. And so when people are like, can you believe this happened on Glee? It's like, yeah, that is Ryan Murphy's stuff. Can you believe this happened on American Horror Story? Yeah. Like, can you believe this, you know, can you believe this happened on Men.com? That's like asking that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I um, I, I really liked Feud, mm. um, Betty and Joan. Um, and I, 
I liked Ratched. I thought it, I mean, I enjoyed watching most of it. I couldn't get through the gore. I thought it was way too much gore. But that's just a personal taste thing. Um, I also thought the Andy Warhol docuseries was was pretty good, even though the the choice to do the AI voice was very strange. <laughs> um, but the politician, like, I liked it once they weren't in high school anymore. And mm. I just didn't understand why so much of it had to be set in high school. And it's like, just move on from that part of your trauma. Wait, so you mentioned popular earlier. I feel like he loves, like, underdogs. He loves, like, an underdog story. And I think that there's a through line from, like, popular to, like, Nip Tuck. Or maybe not even Nip Tuck. Maybe, like, Glee. But also, like... Pose and the politician where there's this kind of like underdoggy thing that he's always kind of pulling through and pulling out of narrative. Well, I did see myself represented in Nip Tuck because Famke Jessup played a, a secret a secret trans woman. Doesn't she get murdered? As well? No, she does not get murdered. Oh. But she does like, she has sex with one of the main character's sons and it's like this whole thing where they find out that she's trans. It's like, oh my God. Doesn't Willem also play a trans woman Willem, on Nip Tuck? Willem was on Nip Tuck, yes, playing trans. Her debut. Um, I don't know. It's so funny to think about the question of like, when was the first time you saw yourself represented on screen? Because like it, for me, it was, it, I don't think I, if I answered that question in any real way, it would not be like a queer person a trans person, it would be like just someone who more like energetically I a girl, see myself a girl as. on the street. <laughs> no, it would be like Queen Mombi in Return from Oz, in Return to Oz. Right. Um, you know, like it's not going to be like the first time I saw myself represented on screen was like <laughs> Alexis and Ugly Betty. You know, uh, speak for yourself. Although, <laughs> I mean, you know, I don't know. I don't know that I've ever seen myself represented on screen. I don't know. Maybe that is like a very like narcissistic, um, like, presumption about how exceptional I am. But I guess I don't look for it either. I don't, I don't, I have seen so many people and characters on screen that I want to be, that I want to have sex with, that I, (laughs) and those two seem to go hand in hand when you're a faggot, I guess. (laughs) You know, and I think watching Glee, I remember, um, like seeing a character like Blaine, and mm. I think internalizing this idea that oh, I I want to be like that kind of gay. I want to be handsome, talented, heartthrobby. Like I like I, and I didn't even necessarily think oh, this is possible because Blaine's here. But that like I I would kind of I think consume characters and queer representation in terms of like um, who can I emulate one day? Who would I want to kind of grow up to? You know what I saw myself represented on screen was Pam in True Blood. You you succeeded. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. (laughs) Who's Pam? Pam is a vampire who is just like has the most bone dry, sarcastic, deadpan wit. Is a huge fucking bitch, um, and and she eats people and eats people and is like evil and has like very fierce looks. Um, She's amazing. That is very you. But the flip side of the whole like queer people I want to be thing is that I also would resent those same characters because I wasn't them. Yeah. And so that I feel like happens more often than seeing myself on screen is I see people that make me feel bad about myself because I don't look like them or I uh, don't have, you know, like 
it, it's weird That's how the, yeah. we go back and forth between like I hate you and I want to be you, and I feel like people do feel that way about porn a lot. I feel <laughs> well, that way a, about people I want to have sex with. Definitely, it, it's the perils I think of like queer representation and success is because like I definitely know this. This is my experience with seeing other trans women, especially like a lot of us are like just measuring ourselves up to each other and like why why does she like look better than me or like she's had more surgery than I have mm. or like she's getting like attention that I'm not getting like and I think that is very much a queer experience because like there's so there's so much less for us to get that we are jealous of anyone who gets a little bit more than us. Hmm. I think that's maybe a big part of where people feel embarrassed by Glee is that Glee, for all its satire, is also a wish fulfillment fantasy. It's like hmm. it is a high school experience that is uh, like very fairy tale in the sense that you have this community of kids who come from all different parts of the school who are inspired to work together and sing really well and get to sing whenever they want and get to express themselves whenever they want and however they want um, and even all fall in love with each other in various combinations in the process. So even though they're, you know, getting slushies thrown at them, there yeah. is this, this fantasy come true that's taking place in the show that I think can produce this knee-jerk um, resentment that maybe you were feeling, Fran. Yeah, and I think all of that is exacerbated by like scarcity mentality. Especially, I mean, at the time, yeah. it's like there was a dearth of con of like you know queer content in general, and so it's just like really this thing, which wasn't my reaction the whole way through. I remember loving like the first half of that season, but now that we you know scarcity obviously still a pro- like multiplicity intersectionality still needed, but like less of a problem now. I think it'll be I'll be curious to know how like the representation conversation evolves. But well, I mean, Brian- Glee, honestly. Should have a reboot. No, I'm just kidding. Ugly? No, no, we don't need to have a reboot. But it was innovative I'll... at the time for Kurt to be a character who succeeds and gets his needs met because Ryan Murphy was intervening on a whole period of queer representation where queer characters were very tragic, with really yeah. the only exception being Will and Grace. And even then, um, there were there were other problems, <laughs> obviously. Yes. And everyone hated Will and Grace for not being tragic because it emerged mm. right no, after. No, it was such a huge hit. Well, that too, yeah. I was it was a massive hit, but like sent like the the critics at the time were like, this show has is like a um, too yuppie and an anesthetizing of like what queerness is, and oh, it that's came interesting. and it came right after the AIDS like mm-hmm. kind of the the in the wake of what was the worst of the AIDS crisis, and so a lot of activists were really still trying to keep people alive, and so for Will and Grace to have the audacity to be joyful, I think a lot of like, you know, people, you know, that feel a type of way about that are going to be extremely mad. Mm. But I, I feel like um, that that show very specifically was like, we're not going to talk about AIDS. You know what I mean? Like they came into it with that as a partial mission for the show. So of course people are going to be, you know, mad that it's not representing or not like kind of representing the thing that was important at the time. Um, Ty... If you had to perform a song on Glee, your Glee cast version, what would it be? Oh my god, I've thought about this so many times. I think mine would be um, I Write Sins Not Tragedies by Panic at the Disco. That's good. I, I'm. Has that happened on Glee? Have they did, I don't did know. They do I'm going to I'm gonna, I'm gonna Google right now. Mine would be probably like Running Up That Hill Glee cast version. <laughs> <laughs> what would that even sound like? I mean, they basically did that at Pose. Uh, 
because like running up the hill was like a motif for the first season. Yeah, but it's not like someone was doing a karaoke cover of it. No, but that did not stop Ryan Murphy from making characters you know, break out into song at any moment on Pose. I would, the gleification of Pose nightmare. I would have to what do I Hate This Part by the Pussycat Dolls. <laughs> That's so good. Would you do like a burlesque show as well? Well, yeah. The, well, and the whole Glee Club would also be the Pussycat Dolls. And we would be on the <laughs> stage, but the stage would have water on it. Who, who would be in the number with you? Would it be the whole club or would you have a selection of backup girls? It would be the, it would be the whole club. Right? Because, I okay. mean, the Pussycat Dolls is, like, seven people, right? Like, I Maybe? guess it would be in the... Co- it would definitely be, like, at regionals or something. No, it would have okay. to be inspired by by some story. I mean, I guess it could be both. Like, okay. I would be, what's the What's the costume situation? Like, what are you wearing? Very, very scantily clad vinyl, probably, or, like... But still vinyl. school appropriate. Not well, at all school appropriate. I mean, Euphoria as if Glee high. was ever school appropriate. Yeah. We need a Euphoria Glee crossover episode is what we need. I mean, honestly, oh the, the Rose hates it when I talk about Euphoria, but honestly, the play within a play in Euphoria was kind of Glee-y. Well, Euphoria is kind of a musical, too. It's just a jukebox musical where everyone lip sings instead of singing songs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It has its moments. Season two was just like... A lip sync every episode. Uh, I'm so glad I didn't watch season two. You should be. <laughs> you would. You would. You would love. It was awful. That doesn't matter. Would you ever do a porn in which you had to sing? Oh, we should do a porn. We, we should do a porn parody of Glee. I. I wonder that, if it exists. That has to exist. I'm gonna. Ch- I'm gonna check right now. And gonna... there, there's definitely enough fan fiction porn of Kurt and Blaine. Uh, hey, right. Yes. I know I, that's right. Uh, hey, there yes. seems to be. I can't really find anything. <laughs> no, it doesn't look like I it. should not be using the iHeart Wi-Fi to do this. <laughs> I'll pitch it. Okay. I, I'll, yeah, I'll, you should. I'll, I'll and and you, should, you should write the script Wait, and direct. Ro- Rose, who will you play in the Glee parody porn? Um, I'll be an executive producer. Oh, okay. Then I'll be... I'll be, I mean. You'll be Mr. Shoe. <laughs> oh, fuck. You'll off. be Mr. Shoe. So, something that I want no, to I'll, say. No, I'll actually, I'll be, I'll be Jane Lynch. I do feel like I have Leah Michelle energy. Like, I do try really hard. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I related to that element of, like, her character and also real life personality <laughs> was that, like, she, against all odds, would try her, made her, made her. What she wanted very clear 100% of the so, time. So, Ty, are you Kurt in the porn parody of Glee? No, I I mean, in the interest of getting more scenes, yes. <laughs> or are you Darren Because I kind of think, no, I think you're Rachel. I'm Rachel. <laughs> you're <laughs> Rachel, yeah. Yeah, you're Rachel. What do y'all want to see us discuss next? Because honestly, we have no idea. Yeah, we, are, we are really <laughs> running low. It could be a book, a movie, uh, a cultural phenomenon, uh, a person, a, a moment of celebrity, something that was just very specifically interesting to you as a baby queer or, you know, cishet if you are out there. Um, you can call us to confess at 323-PENANCE. That's 323-736-2623. But you can also leave suggestions as a review on Apple Podcasts, as a 
Instagram story, just like any way you want to reach us, you know, there are middling degrees of success. Yeah, there. and also <laughs> tag our burner Instagram account at like a virgin for 2069. Which is probably the best way to get to us, I feel. Yes, we do check the DMs. We do not always respond to them. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if we're, uh, yeah, I don't know if we're always responding. But we will see. Um, I'm your co-host, Fran Torado. You can find me at Fran Squishco wherever you want on social. I'm Rose Domu. You can find me at Rose Domu on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, uh, LinkedIn. <laughs> LinkedIn. Uh, farmers only. <laughs> farmers only. Um, what was the what's the Jewish dating app called? J Date. J Date. J Date. I am not on J Date, <laughs> unfortunately. You can subscribe to Like a Virgin anywhere you listen and uh, leave us a review. Obviously, Like a Virgin is an iHeartRadio production. Our producer is Phoebe Unter, the Phoebe Unter, with support from Lindsay Hoffman, Julian Weller, Jess Krainchich, and Nikki Etor. Until next week, see you later, virgins. Don't stop believing. I was about to sing Seasons of Love, but Don't Stop Believing is much better. Well, that's like the definitive Glee song, yeah. Is it really? Yeah, it's the song they did in the first episode. Don't stop believing. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.